0: All night there was this verse that just kept coming back and back to me, and I just couldn't get comfortable with the sermon I planned to preach. So I got up this morning and I'm going to preach a new message that I hadn't planned to preach. And I invite you to open your Bible to the book of Second Timothy. I know a lot of you uh, make resolutions every New Year. That's a good thing. I, I encourage people to, you know, take a look at life, ask God to show them some things that uh, He wants to do differently in their lives. I don't tend to make resolutions, but a different version. What I, what I do is for years, around uh, Christmas, New Year's, and throughout January I spend some time uh, reading and praying through the books of First and Second Timothy and Titus. It goes back to when I finished seminary back in the early 80's. Uh, as a young preacher uh, I took some time in a Bible that I still have in my office and I just really studied those three books because they were written by the Apostle Paul, this experienced missionary and preacher to Timothy and Titus, two of his young protégés in the ministry, and I just thought, I want to hear what he's saying and what God can say to me about life and ministry as I'm starting out. Uh, And I marked up those, and I've got a bunch of notes, and then I go back and read those books uh, this time of year, and just, uh, God, remind me of things maybe I've forgotten or taken for granted or stopped doing that I need to start doing or things, you know, just, you know, speak into my life. And so throughout last night, one verse from 2 Timothy just kept coming and coming and coming, and uh, I woke up about a little after five this morning, and and, uh, and uh, these ideas just so I just got up and went went downstairs and you know just spent some time with God. And so I'm going to preach whatever whatever happens because uh, I think that's what God wants us to hear today. And and I want to encourage you in this one verse that we're going to focus on to make to consider making two commitments this coming year. I want to to encourage every believer, every disciple of Jesus, every person in this room to consider making these two commitments that we're going to talk about for this coming year. Now, if if you're not a believer, if you're not saved, the commitment you need to make is to give your life to Jesus Christ and start this year off the right way. That's the best thing you could do in 2017, just give your life to Jesus and be saved. But if you've already done that, I want you to consider making these two commitments. Now, the context is the Apostle Paul's near the end of his journey on earth, he's been arrested. He's in jail, in prison, awaiting execution. And he writes his final letter to Timothy, who had been one of his apprentices, one of his partners, brothers in ministry, if you will. And in the first few verses of chapter 4, Paul very clearly says to Timothy, Timothy, I solemnly charge you. I'm, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus Christ, here's some things you're supposed to do and do them well, do them faithfully. And in the first two or three verses, the focus is on preaching God's word, because Paul understood that everybody needs to know what God says, and and brothers and sisters, you do as well. And you know, and and and, and I'm glad you like my preaching and you come to worship. But I got to tell you, you're not going to get all you need from God's word just by listening to me preach for you know 30, 40, 50 minutes every time I preach on Sundays. Okay? It's just not going to be. It won't be 50 minutes today, I don't think. We'll see. But uh, you, that's just not enough. So you need to be reading God's Word on your own during the week, feasting on it, feeding on it. But you also need to be in Sunday school. It's what Brother Steve was talking about a few moments ago. You need to be in a Bible study class learning God's Word because it's nourishment to your soul. And in this world you need that. And God is solemnly charging you to not neglect the study of His Word. And so that's a, a freebie. That's extra. But uh, you need to get in Sunday school and you need to get into Bible study God's Word. That's That's... But then, but then he describes the culture, and we'll look at that in a moment, verses three and four. And then he says, "This one, this this is the verse. Verse five is the verse that I just couldn't get out of my mind last night. And and I, I want to teach this verse today. Here's what he says. But you, Timothy, here it is: Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. And he says there's four things that I want you to do. And the context in which Timothy and I believe you and I are charged to do those four things is verses 3 and 4 when he said the time will come. Well, you and I are living in the time to come that he mentioned in verse, verse 3. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Instead of wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in, according, in accordance to their own desires. And, in verse 4, will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to this. Now, we live in a day when people find somebody who teaches something, who says something they like, they agree with, and they go after that. And if the truth of Scripture, if the truth of God's Word, if the truth of the Gospel doesn't fit what they want, they just reject it and they find some of the truth. Isn't that the culture we live in? Huh? And the problem is, some of you who go to church are more influenced by the philosophies and the ideas of our culture than you are the Word of God. And you more readily accept what culture says, what some professor says, what some popular person says because it resonates with your emotions. You more readily respond to that than you do the Word of God. But here's the truth only God's Word is eternal. Only God's Word will be the same a thousand years from today as it is today. Because it never changes. Everything else will. And on the judgment day, the standard by which you and I as human beings will be judged is not the opinions of anyone in this culture. It's what God says. So that's our culture. It's not new. Timothy, Paul tells Timothy, hey, Timothy, this this world you're living in, what do I want you to do as you preach and teach God's Word? I want you to do verse 5. Be sober in all things. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. And fulfill your ministry. Now I'm going to put those in groupings of two. Two groupings of two. The first two, be sober and endure hardship. And then the second grouping, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. And there's two points I want to make. And two things I want to challenge you and encourage you to say, I am committed to those two things this coming year. 2017, these two things I'm going to do. And here's the first one. I, I want you to make a commitment that spiritually... And emotionally, you are going to overcome whatever life throws at you in 2017. That no matter what comes your way, because I'm promising you, some things will come your way you don't anticipate, you don't expect. Whatever life throws at you this next year, you make a commitment right now in the name of Jesus Christ that that I'm going to be faithful to Jesus. I'm going to love Jesus and I'm going to overcome in Christ whatever life throws at me this next, this next year. Because life has a way of coming at us in waves, doesn't it? And sometimes it's a, it's a big wave. It's, a, it's, it's an unexpected wave. It's one of these surprise waves. They hit us hard. They can defeat us. They can cause us to end up reacting more than deciding Shape us in ways we never thought we would be shaped. Monisa and I are are looking forward to 2017 because the last year has been somewhat challenging. Jacqueline's cancer, Monisa's parents, both in their late 80s, having to be placed into nursing homes. it, It hasn't been the easiest years. Some of you have had a tough year. Some of you have had a tougher year than we had. Others of you, it's been a pretty good year. That's how life is, isn't it? The rain falls, and, and sometimes it hits over here, and sometimes it hits over there. Bad stuff happens, sometimes it hits here, other times it hits there. That's, that's life, isn't it? It comes in waves, and sometimes unexpected. So there's those of us in this room that, that 2016 was challenging, others 2016 was just all good. 2017, I don't know what's coming. Does anybody know what's happening in 2017? Anybody? I don't I don't I I don't have a clue other than I just know it's gonna be more days. I know Jesus is gonna be on the throne. But beyond that, I don't know what's coming in 2017. I don't know if my 2017 is gonna be better than 2016 or worse or about I don't have a clue. You don't either. But here's the thing some of us in this room, in twenty seventeen, there's there's going to be a, a big wave that comes into our life and we didn't see it coming something's going to happen and we didn't know it was going to happen that's just how life life works it's unexpected sometimes you know one of the uh, largest marathons every year in America is the one in Boston where they had the bombing uh, a couple of years ago this past year 30,000 people ran in the Boston Marathon but you have to qualify you don't just show up and run you have to qualify and so there are all these races people do ahead of time to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and, um, and in September, I think it was in, in a town in Pennsylvania, they were having one of these qualifying marathons, and for some of those runners, it was their last opportunity to qualify. And the, tr- the course, the course um, crossed some railroad tracks, but hey, don't don't worry. Don't worry, marathon organizers had arranged with the railroad company that no trains would run uh, during the four-hour window that the different groups would start running the marathon. But somehow, for some reason, one train got sent out, and a group of a little over 100 runners got stopped as this train very slowly, Went through the intersection. It took 10 minutes for the intersection to be cleared. The train was going so slowly that a few not-so-bright runners decided to try to climb through. There were runners who lost their last opportunity to qualify for this past year's Boston Marathon because of that train. Now, can you imagine? You're training for months to run a marathon, okay? Okay you're all psyched, you're going to run in the Boston Marathon because you want to celebrate that terrorism doesn't win in America, and, and you're all excited about it, and you're out there running, and, 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 and you're seven miles into the race, seven miles into the race, just working up a good sweat, and all of a sudden, there's a train. Can you imagine how frustrated some of those runners were? Nobody expected that. But that's life. You prepare yourself, you condition yourself, you train, you run, you work, you exercise, you get ready, you prepare, you do your best, you think you've got it all worked out, you've got it all under control, you have it all figured out, and you're running, and you're running through life, and suddenly, poof, there's a train. takes one phone call from your doctor, right? One, one phone call from a highway patrolman. One, one phone call from a relative, one, one conversation with your boss, one encounter with a, a drunk neighbor, and there's a train. Life throws things at us, and and some of us in this room are going to have things thrown in our direction in 2017. Now, Paul is writing this letter from jail. He's expecting that in a short time he will be executed. Timothy, whatever life throws at you, be sober. Endure hardship. Be sober is the idea of not being drunk. But it's not just being drunk with alcohol. It's, it's being drunk in your mind, in your thinking. Because as life happens, you allow your emotions. You, you allow the stuff of life to, to make you think like a drunk person. And, and let's be honest. When, when hard stuff happens in life, the mind can feel befuddled. You, you can feel numb, and it's hard to think straight, Right? By the way, that's another reason you need some godly people around you to help you think straight in those confusing moments in life. It's another reason you don't want to go through life doing the Christian life alone. doesn't work. But, But... How many times do, do things happen in life or the crowd does this, the crowd does that, the culture does this, the culture does that, bad stuff happens and, and, and our mind gets drunk and our thoughts become confused and, and we do silly stuff, we do stupid stuff, we do unbiblical stuff, we do on christian stuff because we're not thinking soberly. We're thinking with our emotions more than with the Word of God more than with biblical principles and values. Then I.V. translates that phrase, keep your head. In other words, keep your wits about you. Endure hardship. Don't quit. Don't, don't give up. Don't, don't allow those things to control you. Don't allow those things to, to, to overwhelmingly shape your identity and who you become and what you do. Why? Because you are so anchored in the person of Jesus Christ and in his truth and in his word. And, and yeah, you're going to feel, you're going to feel stuff. We, we who love the Lord with all our heart, listen, we feel stuff, don't we? We feel life. Just because you love the Lord with all your heart doesn't mean you don't cry. Doesn't mean you don't hurt. Doesn't doesn't mean that you're never Confused. But you're so anchored in Jesus Christ and you're so anchored in His Word that as those waves come and your emotions are this and your emotions are that, you stay anchored to His Word and you stay anchored to Christ and you move ahead, put Him one foot in front of the other and then the next foot in front of that one day after day and you stay the course. You don't quit. You endure and you win. Because if you Try to handle these events in life with your emotions and the, and the confusion that it creates in your mind. You're going to lose in the end, not win. And so he says to this young preacher, Timothy, Timothy, life's, life's going to throw stuff at you. A lot of good. Aren't you glad for the good? Aren't you thankful for the sunshine when it comes? Huh? Aren't you thankful for the blessings? But there's also going to be storms. And whatever it is, he says, keep your wits about you. You you can't do that if you're not grounded in Scripture. You can't do that if you're not anchored to Jesus Christ. Be sober and endure the hardship. Um, and and Second Timothy, two three, he says, endure it like a good soldier. You know, soldiers who see combat. <laughs> there's nothing easy about that. They encounter some hard situations. He says, and do it like a good soldier. In 2 Timothy 4, Paul talks about his trial. When people abandon him like they abandoned Jesus, he said, but the one person who didn't abandon me was Jesus. In verse 17 of chapter 4, he said, the Lord stood with me, strengthening me. Because if you're anchored in Christ, guess what? He's always there. And he gives you a strength. And he gives you clarity of thought if you'll just listen to his voice. Now, um, one of the tragic stories in the Christian world was a little over eight years ago when Stephen Curtis Chapman's 17-year-old son was backing their SUV out of the driveway at their their house and accidentally hit and ran over and killed their five-year-old adopted daughter, his adopted sister. I got to hear him in concert not long after that. And one of the things that he said on more than one occasion is that over the months that followed, he went back and looked at all of his music and the lyrics, the words, and he had to to ask himself, could he still sing those words and could he still believe them? He said, rather than making him skeptical or turn from God, that process actually ended up making the words of the songs mean even more to him and there's one song one song uh, yours that talks about everything in this world belonging to God God is yours that in this process God so spoke to him that he wrote a new verse to the song and here's what that new verse says I've walked through the valley of death's shadow so deep and dark that I could barely breathe anybody ever been there I've had to let go of more than I could bear, and I've questioned everything I believe. Still, even here, in this great darkness, a comfort and a hope comes breaking through. As I can say in life or death, God, we belong to you. Who are you anchored to? What are you anchored to in life? You see, when the when the storm comes, that's not the time to decide if you're going to stay anchored to Jesus. You decide that before the storm ever shows up. Because that's what gets you through the storm. And all the, the, the stuff that it does to you. And that's why I'm saying on January 1, 2017, make a commitment that this next year, no matter what life throws at you, you're you're going to overcome. You're going to stay connected to Jesus Christ and to his family and to his people. All right, here's the second one 2017, do God's work. Don't allow yourself to get so distracted by other things, so busy with other things, you have no time or energy to do the work of God. Do God's work. In the end of verse five he said, "Do these two things after, after uh, being sober and enduring hardship, do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Do God's work. See, all of us are going to do a lot of stuff these, these next 12 months. <laughs> People and work and just life's going to ask us to do a lot of stuff, right? We're going to be busy. I, I got new. it's not slowing down. Okay? It's, 2000, it's not, it's, no, 2000, no, 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 no. 2017 is not going to slow down. In fact, the older you get, the faster it goes. It's not slowing down. And you're, you're going to spend these next 365 days doing stuff. But I have to tell you, not all stuff is equal, not all stuff matters as much. And you've got to decide, are you going to spend this next year doing the stuff that matters most or just doing stuff? And God's work matters. Fulfill your ministry. Now, he's not talking just about a professional ministry, you know, hey, God called me to the ministry. He's He's talking about service because... That's what the word means. Fulfill your service. We, we all are called of God to serve. Every one of if, if you have Jesus in your life, you are called to serve. Okay, and He says you need to do that. You need to fulfill it. You need to carry out those duties. You need to fulfill your responsibility and serve. Because here's the thing, God. Listen, God. God has entrusted to you some abilities. Some skills, some experiences, some knowledge, some talent. God is entrusting to you some opportunities. God has entrusted to you this church family and the needs of this church family. And he says, I'm entrusting to you to use what you have, what you are, and serve that family. Not just be one who gets served. Be one who does the serving Fulfill your ministry, and, and and do it with the right heart. Now, this is an interesting story. It's 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 so simple, but but it's so powerful. There's there's a lady who wrote a an article in a magazine, a, a Christian magazine recently. She's a young woman, and she was reflecting on an experience she had at church when she was in youth group. She told about her youth group going to a soup kitchen in an in inner city, in a large city. And they spent several hours, you know, washing dishes and feeding you know, feeding the homeless, giving food to them. And she described how these homeless men in particular would, would walk by. Most of them were kind of downcast. They might glance briefly and make eye contact. Some, some would make more eye contact. Most of them would just be brief. Some of them would say nothing. Some would mumble a thank you. But they just kind of quietly went through the line afterward they did what all youth groups do they get together and they talk about the experience youth pastors leading them to you know debrief hey what was the experience like for you and after a moment of silence one young girl in the group spoke up and here's what she said she said i didn't really like being here i guess and then she paused for a moment almost like she was embarrassed and when she finished, she said, I, I guess I wanted them to be more grateful. She was surprised by, because you middle class, you got everything, surprised by, but before we're, we're too hard on that teenage girl, how many times have you said, or how many times have you heard someone in the church say, you know, I'm, I'm just not going to do that anymore because they don't appreciate it enough down there at the church. If that Sunday school class would just deny, you know, that preacher and staff, they don't, you know, no. How many times have you ever said anything like that? If that's how the church wants to do it, then I'm just not going to do anything anymore. Can I get a witness? You see, the truth is sometimes we're all teenage girls. <laughs> wow, I never thought I'd say that. <laughs> You get my point? Huh? We, we, we have these reasons for not serving. We get our feelings hurt. We quit. See, so it's easier to see in teenagers and children what we don't want to see in ourselves sometimes. And it's like Paul is saying to this young preacher, Timothy, Timmy, I'm telling you when you, when you, when you go through the rest of the years and doing your ministry... Sometimes you're going to want to tell that church out there just to go, you know, hmm. But you can't do that. And brothers and sisters, it's not just Timothy and preachers. It's each of us. It's you and your service, your gifting, your talents, your abilities, your opportunities. You can't do that either. Not be what Jesus wants you to be. you got to serve you got to do God's work this next year. And part of God's work, part of God's work is evangelism. Do the work of an evangelist. Now, I've heard people say, maybe you've said it, you've heard others say it, I don't have the gift of evangelism. You ever heard anybody say that? You ever said that? I don't have the gift of evangelism. And so... That supposedly is a reason not to do any witnessing, any inviting to church, any evangelism. I want to say a couple things. I want you to listen carefully, okay? Here's number one. In, In the New Testament, there is no such thing as a gift of evangelism. Now, I know you read books that sometimes say that, but I'm telling you, you will not find one single verse in the New Testament that says evangelism is a spiritual gift. Not one. You will find the passage in Ephesians that says God has given to the church certain officers or positions that are gifts to the church, like pastor, teacher, and evangelist. There's an office that is a gift to the church, but guess what? Pastors have different gifts, one from the other, right? Do all pastors have the same gifts? Guess what? All evangelists don't have the same gifts. Evangelism is not a gift. There is the office of evangelism, just like there's the office of pastor, but that's it. There's no gift of evangelism. Secondly, there are numerous spiritual gifts that are specifically mentioned in the New Testament that certain Christians have, and yet every Christian is supposed to do them. Now, when I have a spiritual gift, you have a spiritual gift, what that means is that God has given us an extra ability, an extra capacity for doing whatever that is. It doesn't mean nobody else can do it. It just means those with that gift can do it better, more easily, more naturally. Does that make sense? For instance, do you know that in the New Testament, service, serving is listed as a spiritual gift? Did you know that? So let me ask you, does that mean only the people with the spiritual gift of service are supposed to serve Jesus? Huh? Do you know that in the New Testament, faith Faith is listed as a spiritual gift. So does that mean the only person who can have faith is someone who has the gift of faith? No, we all have faith. We all serve. But some have a capacity for incredible faith. Did you know that in the New Testament, giving is a spiritual gift? Does that mean that only those with a spiritual gift of giving are supposed to give? Absolutely not. Y'all knew I was going to say that, didn't you? We're all supposed to be Christian stewards. We're all supposed to tithe. But there are some people who have that gift. They're just so generous. And they give and they give and they give you the shirt off their back. The point is, evangelism is not a spiritual gift, but even if it was, it would not mean we're not supposed to do evangelism because we didn't have that gift. Because there are certain things that all of us are supposed to... Now, I recognize that some people have a personality that enables them to do evangelism more easily than others. I get that. There are some of us can walk into a restaurant and talk to total strangers don't worry about it. I'm one of those guys. I can do it. I like doing it. I like meeting new people. Others of you, you're not going to talk to anybody you don't know. That's but Personalities are different, right? I get that. I get that. But all of us are supposed to do evangelism. And by the way, the word evangelist, from the same word for evangelism. Do you know what the word means? It's the word for gospel. It's the word for good news. The evangelist is somebody who announces the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all evangelism is. It's just saying, hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Let me tell you how He's changed me. Let me tell you how He's blessed me. Let me tell you all the good stuff about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you how He can save you and how He can forgive you and how He can give you a home in heaven and give you eternal life. That's all it is. It's just talking about the good news of Jesus Christ. That's simple. Don't make it more complicated than, than it is. By the way, the Huffington Post, which is you know, pretty liberal, pretty, pretty way out there, nothing Christian about it, They had an article in November encouraging their readers during Christmas when they would get together with family to have conversations with family members who did not believe in uh, climate change to convince them of climate change. And in that, now here, listen to me, in that article they even give, the, you give them all these steps about how to have the conversation. And as I read through that, it sounded just like some of the teaching I would do on how to have a conversation with somebody about Jesus. In other words, they were encouraging all their readers during the holidays to evangelize their relatives who did not believe in climate change to become believers in climate change. Now, here's my point. If a lost, pagan, secular, sinful world is that passionate about their stuff, why are you so quiet about Jesus Christ? Did you invite anybody to church during Christmas? Or is it just about the music and the pageantry and the traditions? Do the work of an evangelist, and by the way, it's work. Work. Guess what? Most of you don't get up and go to work because you do, because you choose to set that alarm and go do it. <laughs> it's work, right? I, I like what I enjoy doing, what I'm doing. But I tell you, there sometimes I'd rather stay in bed. Any of you? Well, listen. It, it's work to talk to your neighbor. It's work to invite that co-worker to Sunday school and churches. It's work to pray every day for those lost neighbors, for those lost co-workers, those lost relatives. Those lo- It's work. And there's, there's no substitute for just doing the work. You don't work, you don't get paid, you don't do God's work, you don't see anything happen. How do you expect your lost relatives and friends to get saved if you never do anything when you leave leave the the worship center today for those of you who want one and i hope it's all of you we have this card we passed these out in sunday school back in december you may remember these the oil coast evangelism list this card for you to write down the names of 10 people, or up to 10 names anyway, people who need Jesus, people who don't go to church that you're concerned about, that you care about, you love, you're praying for, you're going to you know, do what you can to influence them for Christ. Because I want to encourage you as you start this new year to take one of these cards and, allow, and this afternoon allow the Holy Spirit just to help you put who are the names? Put them on this list. who are the names of the people that God puts on your heart, that need a relationship with Christ, that, that need to get back in church, uh, that are lost. And you, you, you put their name write, write their names down and pray for them. You know, in business school, one of the things they teach you is until you have it written down, you don't have a business plan. Okay? Well, until you put some names down, I, I got news for you. You're probably not going to do much of anything. So write their names down and begin praying for them. And by the way, I want you to do one more thing. I want you to bring this with you Wednesday night because we're going to have a prayer meeting here from 630 to 730, praying for lost souls. You bring your names with you, and we're going to pray for these people to encounter Jesus Christ in 2017. That's this Wednesday night. You join us and I'll be leading that prayer time and look forward to you being here. Bring your card, bring your card with you Wednesday night so we can pray for lost souls. February, I'm going to preach some sermons designed to help people who are lost know how to be saved. And I want you between now and then to be praying for your names finding ways to serve those people, care for them, love on them, and invite them to come to church with you in Sunday school with you in February. Let them hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, services designed with them in mind. And if you want some more training and having conversations and doing evangelism, in two weeks on Wednesday nights, I'm starting a new evangelism class, Royal Coast Evangelism. Some of you came to a workshop on a Sunday afternoon this takes that in more depth. I'm going to spend seven Wednesday nights working with you on Ohio Coast evangelism. So some opportunities for you to learn and to, to be part of what God, God is doing. So I want, to, I want to leave you with one last verse from 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 8. Chapter 1, verse 8. He says, Therefore do not be, what? Ashamed. Do not be Ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is that? That's the gospel. It's the story of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed to talk about it. Don't be ashamed to say, I believe that. Don't, don't be ashamed to say, I'm living and obedience to that. Don't be ashamed. I was praying this morning, and you know, a lot of times I'll pray for God to increase my love for lost people but this morning I just felt led to pray differently I, I felt led for, you know to pray God increase my love for your gospel increase my love for your kingdom I wanted to see people be part of your kingdom increase my love for your kingdom and its growth and increase my love for your gospel don't be ashamed of the gospel And then he adds, Paul says, or of me. You know, I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed of me while I'm in prison. Don't be ashamed of God's people. Because if you're ashamed of God's people and you're ashamed of the church, you're not going to invite anybody. And then secondly, why are you ashamed of God's people in the first place? Guess what? We're not perfect, but the world's even worse. Right? If we've got warts, they have more. One of the reasons this church is not perfect is you're a member of it. <laughs> you can think on that one, don't you? <laughs> and aren't you glad it's not? But I'm also thankful the Holy Spirit's working in our lives to grow us and make us prettier all the time. So, Here's my question, as, as you look back at 2016, did you do God's work in 2016? Did you serve Jesus in the church? Did you do evangelism in 2016? Did, did you overcome what life threw at you in 2016, or did it knock you down so hard you, 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 you quit for a while? maybe you're still trying to decide whether or not you're going to get up off the floor. And as you look ahead to 2017, what are you going to do? You're going to do stuff. What stuff? You you got any place in there where you're going to serve Jesus? No matter what? you You have any place in there where you're going to do any evangelism in 2017? When we sing this hymn of invitation, come to this altar and get on your face before God. And just talk to Him. It's not important if I know or a pastor knows, but it is important that God knows the commitment you're making. And I'm asking you to consider making those two commitments to Jesus Christ this year. To do God's work. To serve Him. To do evangelism. To do God's work. And overcome whatever life throws at you this year. No matter how hard or how good because you, you do know that good things can can distract us as well, right? We can get so busy having fun with our good blessings, we, we kind of put God on the back burner as well. So whatever comes in 2017, good, bad, hey, hey, none of it. It may knock me, but none of it is going to defeat me.